Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 14th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. And an FYI, folks, in observance of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Lead will be putting out Tuesday's pod later in the day. This episode takes a look at the first week of the legislative session and what priorities House and Senate lawmakers plan to tackle. Governor Henry McMaster gets his booster, and so does his campaign war chest. In business, we have the latest on inflation, the vaccine mandate, court rulings, and more on rental assistance. In medical, we hear more about the Omicron surge and what medical professionals are facing, and a report on infant mortality data. Also, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voicemail box to hear from you all. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. We're midway through January. How are those resolutions going? Were any made? Were any kept? Let us know. It's okay. We won't judge you. 803-563-7169. You can also blame the surge if anything got broke. So there's an out for you. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 14,914 total deaths, and currently there are 1,153,125 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 14th at 4 p.m. We broke another daily case record on Friday with 19,483 cases. That's like 600 more people than the population of Saluda County. Thank you, Scott Morgan, for that comparison. I saw that on Twitter. That's, That's a whole county's worth of people there. That pushed our weekly cases up as of Friday to 55,300, which is our second highest week, and it's not over yet. Compare that to DHEC's revised total for last week of 90,071 cases, which was more than double our previous record last January. So, a lot of news, a lot of data right there. So far, deaths last week were revised up to 146, which is still far below our previous surge highs, though we're still in the thick of this at the moment. Our percent positive is 31.4%. 2,111 people are hospitalized with COVID, 373 are in intensive care, and 195 are on ventilators. As of right now, 52.5% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Lawmakers returned to Columbia this week and got right to work on several top issues in their chambers. In the House, that was the passage of its proposed congressional map, which went through committee this week. Here is Florence Republican Representative Jay Jordan describing the map during the ad hoc redistricting meeting that he chairs. We believe that the plan the ad hoc committee has 
put forward to you as a necessary next step to achieve the fundamental constitutional goal of equality in voting and, and is in accordance with the guidelines and criteria adopted for this redistricting cycle and complies with the United States Constitution, the South Carolina Constitution, as well as federal and state law. The proposed congressional districts generally adhere to the previous boundaries that were sufficiently contiguous and compact to be approved, uh, enough to be approved so that they were approved by the Department of Justice and passed judicial scrutiny in 2011. And we believe improvements have been made, such as unifying previously split counties. Uh, just an example of that would be Newberry and Orangeburg. The map was up for floor debate Wednesday when Orangeburg Democratic Representative Gilda Cobb-Hunter gave her blunt critique of it. What we did, in effect, was move all the black people out of Congressional District 1 that are in Charleston County and pack them into the 6th Congressional District. What we've done by saying that we're going to, on one hand, keep communities of interest together goes back to the point that Representative Gambrell was making. It is unclear to me how we can see commonality between Richland Northeast and Charleston County. That's quite a stretch and quite a distance. And I think Mr. Gambrell very eloquently made that point. And I would remind y'all that we need to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. It passed the House with a party line vote of 68 to 36 on Thursday, and it now heads to the Senate. Speaking of the Senate, members put a bill dealing with certificate of need in the special order spot, which gives it priority debate status in the chamber over other bills on the calendar. Certificate of need centers around the regulation of medical facilities like hospitals and standalone surgery centers in the state. Doctors and Republicans say the current situation is anti-competitive and favors powerful hospital systems, which, along with DHEC, have approval power over, say, a group of doctors from forming their own surgery center, for example. Columbia Democratic Senator Dick Harpulian joined several Republicans at a press conference calling for the CON repeal. I'm standing here today because I believe this will not hurt rural health care, but help it. I'm standing here today because I believe it's going to help through competition to lower the cost of providing health care. Uh, if there are some facts that, uh, that conflict with what I've been seeing, what I've seen and what, what I've been shown, I'll be happy to look at those. But this is a process uh, we need to move forward with. Now, I, you know, I don't agree with every piece of this that, uh, that uh, my Republican friends are proposing. Uh, just as they don't agree with me that I think we should have Medicaid expansion. I think that's something that would really, really help South Carolina health care. We're not going to agree on everything. But I think we are going to agree, and we do agree, that this process has to change and has to change dramatically. And repeal, uh, if that's all that we can do, then that's what I'll vote for. Outright repeal of CON is the goal of York Republican Senator Wes Clymer's bill, rather than reforms to the process. So far, an amendment to exempt certain projects of less than $5 million and certain equipment purchases from the CON process has been shot down. Debate will continue when lawmakers return, with plans to get on redistricting shortly thereafter. The Senate Judiciary Committee is set to approve its congressional map next week, with debate to follow. Senate leaders spoke with reporters about their priorities for the last year of the two-year session. Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey of Edgefield outlined what the next few weeks will look like.
We're going to start off with a debate about the certificate of need. I think this is a, a conversation that a lot of a lot of us have been expecting for a while, but it's it really goes to the heart of healthcare and healthcare access and and uh, and the cost of healthcare around the state. So uh, we're looking forward to a, a good conversation there. Uh, that's probably going to take us a few days. Uh, we're also we're going to have a debate this year about medical marijuana. So I think all of us expect that to happen as well. Um, that may start next week. It may be a little bit later because we've also got to do the congressional redistricting plan. Um, my guess is we'll do that sometime later next week. Uh, at least start on it sometime later next week. Um, there'll be a number of other issues too. We still got some federal money we've got to address. Um, but I, I think January is definitely full and we're always starting to think about February. Minority leader Brad Hutto, an Orangeburg Democrat, agreed with the priorities and mentioned the need to focus on education improvements as well. The debate over all that state and federal money won't take place until at least February. In-school learning is the best learning, and we've got to get back to that. And we've also, uh, we've lost teachers due to the pandemic. We've got to talk about teacher uh, retention, recruitment, training of new teachers, teacher pay raises those things that we need to make sure that we get our children back in school with qualified teachers in front of the classroom. So I would, if you ask me what needs to be done, that's got to be done. I mean, here we are recruit, recruiting world-class industries to South Carolina based on the fact that we've got a workforce in the pipeline. If we don't get the K through 12 right, we don't have the workforce in the pipeline. I'll bring you some insight on what house leaders are looking at tackling in Tuesday's pod. Next up, Governor Henry McMaster got boosted. No, I'm not talking about fundraising, though more on that in a minute. No, he got his booster shot. This comes after McMaster got his first dose of Pfizer last April, which means he was eligible for his second shot in May and his booster six months later, which should have been November. Now on Tuesday, McMaster shared a photo on social media of him getting the shot, while First Lady Peggy McMaster was nearby for support. Expectedly, a lot of comments were negative, and many people were saying, why bother showing this? However, later that day, former President Donald Trump, the leader of the Republican Party, said in an OAN interview that was taped Monday that, quote, I've had the booster. I watched a couple of politicians be interviewed, but they don't want to say it because they're gutless. You got to say it. Whether you had it or not, say it. Trump there making a dig at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a potential 2024 candidate. Now, Trump hasn't shied away from telling folks about getting the vaccine. However, he never publicly showed himself getting any of the shots. Speaking of politics and COVID, LOL, isn't that every pod here? First, Congressional District Republican Nancy Mace announced she had a breakthrough COVID case this week. This is the second time Mace has contracted COVID. The first time came shortly after she celebrated winning the Republican nomination for the seat in June 2020. She said she had mild symptoms compared to her previous infection. Remember, 6th Congressional District Democrat Jim Clyburn had a breakthrough case right before Christmas. Now, I teased this earlier, but we have a fundraising update for you in the governor's race. No surprise here that Governor McMaster is dominating the field. McMaster and Lieutenant Governor Pam Evett raised $908,736 in the fourth quarter of 2021, bringing the election cycle total to $4.4 million, with nearly $3 million on hand, according to records. McMaster is unopposed in the Republican primary and is expected to remain that way, with his closest likely challenger, John Warren, stating recently that he will not challenge McMaster again. Democrat Joe Cunningham brought in some $342,000 between October and December, bringing his election cycle haul to $1.3 million. He has just over $421,000 on hand. 
and State Senator Mia McLeod, who is also running for the Democratic nomination, has not filed her fourth quarter campaign finance report yet. The deadline was January 10th. And a programming note, I'll be anchoring live coverage of the governor's State of the State address Wednesday at 7 p.m. on SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio. Following his speech will be the Democratic response, and sadly, due to COVID-19, we won't be speaking with lawmakers. What's that? Is that pain in your pocketbook? That's right, the Consumer Price Index, which measures the prices of a basket of goods, ticked up 0.5% in December to an annualized rate of 7%, which we had already said that economists predicted. This is the highest level since June 1982. If you were alive back then, give us a call. We want to know what it was like. 803-563-7169. Now, when you cut out food and energy, core inflation rose 5.5% year over year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Ah, God, that pain. Moving on, the U.S. Supreme Court temporarily blocked the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for private businesses with 100 or more employees. But they upheld the mandate for healthcare workers at facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding. That covers some 10.4 million workers, according to Yahoo Finance. Governor McMaster praised the decision and tweeted, Today's Supreme Court of the United States ruling on OSHA is a victory for the rule of law, federalism, and the Constitution. South Carolina employers can breathe a little easier today, knowing that President Biden and the Democrats' radical agenda and illegal OSHA mandate has been exposed and disposed. And the state newspaper reports that the housing authorities in Richland and Charleston counties will receive an additional $22 million and $10 million, respectively, in federal funds for their pandemic rental assistance programs. At the end of December, SC Housing had some $206 million still available out of the $271 million it received for rental assistance programs for 42 counties, whereas Charleston and Richland counties had gone through much of the $22 million they both got to cover back rent. The U.S. Treasury approved the SC Housing Authority's request to transfer the funds to the two counties that administer their own programs and have the highest rental rates in the state. While we're still in the thick of this Omicron surge in South Carolina, we're seeing positive signs in other states and countries that it is slowly letting up. But right now, hospitals across our state are still managing the surge, a busy flu season, and an ever-persistent labor crunch. In our last episode, we heard from several physicians with Prisma Health, our state's largest private hospital system, including ER doctor Steve Shelton. I invited Shelton onto This Week in South Carolina to get a better grasp on how the system is handling this unprecedented surge in cases. Here's Dr. Shelton. We are feeling the effects of this Omicron surge. Uh, Omicron is moving through our communities like wildfire. And with the volumes of patients out in our community, you can imagine some of those are requiring hospital care. We've actually just reached our peak uh, and passed our previous records over the past two years of numbers of inpatients that we're seeing. And what's, what's that peak like? What's it like right now? 
The peak is uh, within our system at Prisma Health. We're a little over 550 uh, patients. Uh, within the Midlands, we're at 225 inpatients uh, in our facility. It is a little bit of a unique um, surge that we're seeing. In the past, we've had very intensive amount of uh, intensive care unit patients, uh, much heavier use of ventilators and that. This one seems to be a little lighter as far as the acuity. We're not seeing as many ICU patients, but we're still seeing a large number of patients that still need support in our uh, basic uh, care areas. So when you talk about this strain, how do you address it? Are you reaching a point where uh, you know, you're at capacity? Or are we close to that point? Capacity is an interesting, interesting question. Capacity relying on bed space. We have bed space. The challenge that we see at this point is staffing. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the rapid spread in the community has also affected our staff. So we have a fairly large number of team members who are also sick. Uh, so that does make it difficult to staff all the beds that we currently have. So we're actively working on processes to make sure that we can uh, provide the proper care. Uh, we can manage our team members who either are sick or had exposures to make sure that they uh, properly quarantine, but get them back to duty as soon as we can safely do that to provide care for our patients. And doctor, can you kind of give us a typical day? What are you and what are some of these nurses and doctors on the front lines experiencing day to day? Um, this has been a marathon, as I often describe it, at sprint's pace. So uh, we actively have to watch our teammates to make sure, our team members, uh, to make sure that they're okay. Uh, but they have stepped up. The, the big request or the big concern that's really concerning for us in the healthcare system are the number of individuals that are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, we love to provide care for folks. We want them to get better, but we also recognize that this is a treatable disease. Vaccination has been shown to decrease the uh, acuity or the, the severity of an illness, as well as to decrease risk of hospitalizations. With our system, roughly 80% of the hospitalized individuals are unvaccinated. Hmm. So that's uh, kind of stressful on team members knowing that uh, we continue to care for individuals who likely could have been kept out of the hospital with a simple vaccination. Is it frustrating for you and medical professionals to see these folks who are unvaccinated who are essentially shunning one form of medical science and then accepting another form by coming to you all for a treatment? It is difficult. Uh, the vaccination process has been proven safe. Uh, we've been obviously across the, the country and the world have administered millions of vaccinations uh, and there have been minuscule amounts of side effects or complications due to that. However, we have seen the definite uh, effects of COVID response uh, and the illness and, and long-term issues that we have seen for a lot of individuals that are sick. So we are frustrated by those who choose not to be vaccinated, um, and, and it does create a stress on our healthcare system. And stay tuned for Tuesday's pod and my interview with DHEC Director Dr. Edward Simmer, who addresses the agency's testing shortcomings and gives us an analysis on the surge. Moving on. DHEC released new infant mortality data last week that showed the state's 2020 infant mortality rate, or IMR, was 6.5 deaths per 1,000 live births, which is 7% lower than the 2019 rate. Despite the progress, this will likely still be above the national average when 2020 figures are released. In 2019, the rate was 5.58 deaths per 1,000. DHEC reports that 55,713 babies were born in 2020, which was down 2.3% from 2019 and that 364 infants died within their first year of life. The reduction in the IMR was largely driven by a lower post-neonatal mortality. Fewer infants died from congenital malformations, disorders related to short gestation and low birth weight, accidents, and sudden infant death syndrome in the post-neonatal period. DHEC Public Health Director Dr. Brandon Traxler said in a statement, the decrease in the number of infant deaths for 2020 is encouraging, 
but the report also spotlights areas where significantly more work needs to be done to improve birth outcomes for women of color. The disparity in infant deaths between white women and women of color is unfortunately widening and must be addressed. For white women, there were 4.5 infant deaths per 1,000 live births, compared to 10.8 for non-Hispanic black women, 6.3 for women of other races, and 5.2 infant deaths per 1,000 live births for Hispanic women. Dr. Edward Zimmer, DHEC director, said one of the major barriers to infant health in South Carolina is access to high-quality prenatal care. This is especially an issue in the rural areas of our state. We need to improve access to care across the state and are committed to working with our partners to achieve this goal. House lawmakers approved a bill last March to create a study committee to examine methods and practices that will improve rates of maternal mortality among non-Hispanic black women in South Carolina. The bill has set in Senate medical affairs since then. Maybe we'll see some movement this year. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Honestly, we do. That's why we have a voicemail box for you, 803-563-7169. It's set up for you to call us. You can leave us your name, where you're calling from, a little message about life during the pandemic, the surge, how you're handling it. If you've tested positive, even though you tried for past two years to stay negative, it's okay, folks. It's happening. It's not your fault. It's just really contagious. We're here for you. We're not judging. We're not judging. No judgment. And if you don't want to talk about any of that, you just want to talk about something else. Yeah, you can talk about anything. It's there for that, too. Anything. You know what? You can say anything you want. That's why we created this way back when, March 2020, back in the thick of it. I said, said, let's create. It was going to be this long. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wave and calm and wave and more. uh, hmm. Anyway, Mm. AT, we have a call. From a, we got a call. We got a call from an old pal. Yeah. He's traveled around the world, and still he calls us. One okay? of our foreign correspondents. Exactly right. That's exactly what it is. He works for us. <laughs> we pay him under the table, obviously. <laughs> but anyway, uh, here we go. You ready? Yes. 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 Ignitiate. <laughs> Ignitionate. Hey, guys. It's Roman. Um, I'm driving back from work. Uh, and as often happens during my commute, other things that happened in the day and earlier sort of marinate, and I make, you know, I kind of think about stuff differently, I guess. And um, today I was reading a newspaper article, I think it was the Times, and they've just done this um, focus groups with Republicans and Democrats uh, to understand kind of like, are, is our democracy in trouble or not? And if you ask Democrats, Sounds like, yes, for sure, it is. Civil War is eminent. Some other articles have been coming out around, around this topic as well. Yes, Republicans, bigger issue is how much gas costs, supply chain, coronavirus vaccine stuff. Um, this is the consensus of the stuff I was reading today. And it occurred to me, who would be for civil war? Like, what party would actually want to? Not, uh, like, boogaboo boy people or idiots that went to the Capitol. I shouldn't say idiots. Probably some of them are very smart. But the people who I really disagree with having gone to the Capitol, like, what would they actually get out of it? And then I started thinking, what happens to student loans if we have a civil war? Uh, what happens to my car payment if there's a civil war? If we go into a civil war, um, does, and like, you know, the not the union wins and the other side wins, does that mean everyone's debt gets to be restructured? 
Anyway, happy Friday. Take care, y'all. Roman, I totally understand that commute marination thing of the day and everything comes together, <laughs> especially on a nice drive. Like when I was driving back and forth, I mean, I was, you know, you just think about things. But, you know, I'm trying not to think of Civil War too much, but you do see it thrown around a lot. And I, I don't think it would maybe be as much of a forgiveness of student loan debt as much of just a complete um, breakdown in our economy and therefore the worldwide economy. <laughs> so this is what Gavin talks it, about all the time. It would be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more troublesome and, you know, <laughs> not, obviously not good for, um, you know, our, our adversaries abroad too, but, you know, they'd also be feeling the pinch from a civil war too. But I'm not thinking that's going to happen. I'm hoping it's not. It's just a, ba- it's a slow, it's more of a slow backsliding of democracy is the bigger worry than a outright civil war but you know. yeah i don't think it's going to be that action-packed i think uh the revolution will be boring if anything uh but i also like that my commute home is so short so short that i don't have time to work myself up like that i'm too worked up over people not going fast enough yes on rosewood drive uh, I agree. That's that's a. I feel like Gavin, you need to get that on the docket. I mean, we talk about a lot of stuff in this last year, and uh, the slow traffic on Rosewood is a problem for me and my family. You know, and just working. You know, you can go, no one's coming. Just do it. You know, it's it's that's yeah. Five minute commute. It's so funny to think about that versus you know my brothers back in the D.C. area and and the stuff that they have to do. And you know, what do you? I it's guess it disgusting. just it just changes the your whole life, I suppose. Because then I get home. And I'm like, oh, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I can just read. I can take my time with things. Other people yeah. would be like slogging through commutes and stuff. I usually just go to the gym, actually. So that's that's what I spend my time doing, health health things, basically. Health is wealth, you know? I mean, you say that yes. all the time. Speaking you of, that, I do. Yeah. You know. Speak, you do say it all the time. Yes. Health, I mean, honestly, 35, things are falling apart here. You know, we're, we're terrified <laughs> about that. You're a wreck, yeah. But I disgusting. will say I've tested negative for covid I did a mm-hmm. little test over at Walgreens just to kind of see where things are. And the good thing about the Walgreens test, if you can get one, is that they also test for flu, the flu strain. So I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are confused because there's so many similar symptoms that you're thinking, well, one or the other. There's, yeah. there's, what is it? There's Delta Cron. There's, yeah. the, so there's so much stuff going together. I mean, I'm it sounds like bad celebrity couple names. Oh, God, yeah. But you've, you've had a little weird week with the sickness and the seasonal yes. funk. Yes, full. Uh, full uh, uh, the, Gavin is in studio. I'm not in studio. I am home right now because I am sick. But uh, we we had a lot of we had a bunch of rapid tests, all negative, mm-hmm. and we K- Caitlin had a PCR that was negative, and so um, just a funk. Then you know, just the weird just, stuff that's going on. It's just the crud, but yeah. it's still something that I could get other people sick. So I am oh, yeah. home, so just being yeah. responsible human. I had to cancel golf this weekend. Very sad day mm. in the Shire household. Well, it's gonna be a messy week. Weekend, so it is but i mean ball is life you know what i mean wow, and uh, deep, yes i like i like to rise and grind i like to get that bread you yeah. know what i mean get saturday, that bag, well, get saturdays that are for the boys so i understand I completely I, I, I mean oh, i golf you, with my wife you, you, you know what i mean yeah well okay well whatever bro that's uh kind of a, a foul there uh <laughs> it's for the boys. Uh, party foul. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of flags. That I hear that you're rising and grinding, but you're supposed to just be with the boys on Saturday. Uh, yeah, okay. You got the first half but right, but I, doesn't do the rest as well. I'll, I'll be surprised. You know, I, I'm always, you know, it says it's going to do this wintry mix, whatever it's going to do. I don't think it's going to be bad on the ground. Uh, it's good to know that DOT is prepared for this. We're not going to have a Virginia situation as far as I can tell. 
Um, but it's, I think it's, it's going to snow up in the upstate. It's sure. I mean, it's, we're going to get some stuff, but it's not going to be like you're making a snowman or you're going to have these massive delays no. on the interstate. It's going to be gonna disgusting be, be in the gross. Midlands, yeah. a little flurries upstate, and then just rain down low country. So right? hot take, yeah. Just stay home. Get around. Yeah, stay at home. You know, get, get a good book. Watch the Eagles. Out. Yeah. Watch the Eagles. Well, okay. Maybe not Go that birds. much. But, um, um, Gavin, you got some notes here. So you want to talk about some stuff, yeah, right? So, we so got you're the back free, in the state house, yeah, right? Back in the state house. I'm definitely masked up wearing a KN95 mask just because Brag. everyone's saying wear the good wear the good mask if you can if you can tolerate good. them. So I can do yeah. that. Um, Smoke them if you got them. Especially because, you know, there's 170 people up there. Most of them aren't wearing masks. I'm just doing my part till the surge at least it's is a big group. tamped yeah. down. Yeah. So God, won't it be nice when the surge is over? Yeah. Oh, the surge. <laughs> <laughs> Owed for the surge to be over, uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a busy week getting back up there and just running around. You know, multiple press conferences in one day. Everyone's going in one direction, another direction. I will say, I'm surprised that they just kind of hit the session running. Like I said, you know, congressional map, big debate over in the Senate dealing with the certificate certificate of need. So no it's, weaning it's, it's back way into different. this. I yeah, mean, it's way different than last year where they had just started. So bills had just been introduced. So they mm-hmm. were starting to work through the committee process. Now they got all those bills all over the place. If you looked at my Twitter, I had a breakdown of what's already crossed over from one chamber to the other, and you kind of have an idea of like, okay, where things are, what could possibly move, and so we're just looking forward to some more debate, especially that medical marijuana debate in the Senate. That's going to be coming up soon. So, very dank, very yes, heady, very, very interesting. Cool. You know, it's always interesting <laughs> uh, when they have a, a good heady debate because before, um, you know, some interesting debates like. You know, gas tax increase was always very interesting. Not sexy. Because they get into it, you know, but they drill down. And it's like, it's interesting to listen to because it's like policy versus just politics. So this will be interesting mm-hmm. to hear that, you know, the nitty gritty versus the, you know, the the rhetoric of one side or the other. You know, people saying it's going to lead to this. It's going to lead to that. Well, here's what's going to actually be in the bill. So, yes. Yeah. I, I also, my we'll favorite thing from your Twitter is... um your elevator selfie game. Oh, you got to do that in the and, state house. And Mr. Uh, Brown Liquor himself, Marlon, Marlon Kimson, Kimson, yeah, getting in on it. Yeah. Brown Liquor. So Love if you've that. been to the state house, you know that the like the doors and the the elevators are shiny. I guess uh, brass, bronze, it's brass, brass or bronze, bronze something yeah. in there. You know, um, so shiny. So you're in there, and automatically you're like you're staring at a mirror of yourself when the door is closed. So oh, pretty good. In this selfie age, you're just like, well, I got a couple seconds. I can snap a quick one. <laughs> And so that's what you do, you know. That's a state house reporter thing to do. But you know, Marlon was in on the selfie game too. His was a little bit more He's... tucked in the back. <laughs> it's like a little yeah. like. Then Mayan and I were like, we got to do one and send it to him. So we need uh, a better one, always... Marlon. If you're listening, and I know you are, mm-hmm. we need a better one. I'm okay? actually trying to get Russ in one, but it's always funny with Russ and Mayan because it's always a Mayan's always trying to sneak a picture of Russ doing something and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So that, yes, it's hey, a cold war. The fun things that we do to keep ourselves busy up there. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, speaking just, of it's preserving yourself sanity. busy, yes. you got a note here that I cannot agree with. The oh, last note that you want okay, to talk I'll about. I'll read it aloud. You can say yes. what you have to say. Yes, I don't have Wordle. If that's uh-huh. even a word, I'm not going to get Wordle. <laughs> I don't care about Wordle. I love Wordle. <laughs> I think it's fun, but I'm a word game guy, you yeah. know? That's where that's I kink. excel. Yeah, that's all oh, hard kink right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, um, have you been enjoying Are you addicted to it? I hear it's quite addictive. I don't know if it's addictive. Hmm. Um, it, I think it's easy to get into for people who maybe don't word game as much as other people. Dabble into the word game. But I also think uh, a big thing about it is 
something that I don't do because I'm very cool and underground. Oh, wow. Is okay. that I don't share my results with everybody. Oh. And so I think a big thing is that you can share your results on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people are doing that, seeing, how, seeing like, that. how quickly... Yeah, and, it's, uh, and I'm not going to do that. I don't. I don't need you to know you. how quickly I got it. But I've gotten every single one. I'm at 100. percent By the way. Okay. Well, there we <laughs> hey. go. See, like I started a podcast, so I just could talk so about I, yeah. This. I don't do this on Twitter, but I will on a podcast. Well, that's a podcast. I will virtue signal on here. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Going back to that, if, the, if I have to see one more tweet, I'll just. I'm going to start unfollowing people. Avery Wilkes. I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh, Avery. No, I'm for it, bud. Go on. Come on, man. No, I do like whatever it. you want. It's Twitter. It's meant to be. Do whatever you want. Who cares? Everything's awful. Um, and yeah. Just do whatever you need to to get through the surge, right? The surge. The surge. Anyway, Gavin, we're through the surge of this wind down. Oh, so, that's, um, that's the truth. Let's. Uh, let, how about you say goodbye to the people, okay? Let's find people. Like, how can I maybe... do it? How can I do it through Wordle? Uh, here's Wordle? S- uh, six green need... boxes and five, a, a black five. one. <laughs> We get it. You're it's bad. It's goodbye. At it. We get it. I'm You're saying bad goodbye. At it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> oh, I got that on the first try. I'm so good. Thanks for listening to the pod, folks. Let us know about your Wordle experiences or uh, anything going on right now at 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We got a lovely review from Ohio Vic giving us a shout out for our four year anniversary, our birthday. Thank you, Vic. We love you. We're also waiting for those fruit baskets to arrive. 1041 George Rogers Boulevard, Columbia, South Carolina. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Okay, now everyone's favorite part. <laughs> If you can if you can tell the difference let me know <laughs>